Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. lady of faith a lady of faith I'm not folks I, this is what I believe that I don't care if you're in hospice care God can pull you up out of that because I, I I sat in there I when we went there the other day that's the first time I've seen her since all of that and when we went in there and I knew that she was in hospice that didn't make any difference to me whether she was in hospice not in hospice care whatever God is able Amen. If he chooses to, and if she's the one, that it, it can happen regardless. If he can pull somebody out of death, he can pull somebody out of hospice. Amen. And I love the stories. Love the stories of our elders. Mom had asked her about when she actually came back to God. She'd known God young, but she'd went away from God. They did a lot of traveling overseas, Africa and Egypt and so on and so forth. Her life had taken her uh, with her husband. And uh, she talked about how God had started to deal with her while she was in Africa about coming back to the Lord. They were back in the States, and she was sitting at the table. She had just been to the store. I don't remember if she said one or the other. She got both, but she had got, she had got some whiskey and some vodka and a carton of cigarettes. And, uh, yeah, y'all were scrunching eyebrows. You didn't know Sister Nadine, did you? I'm t- she was a rough old cookie now. She can make a grown man blush. Easy. And uh, she'd come home, and she said, God already been dealing with her, and she was taking some of her old honky-tonk tapes, cassettes, and she was reworking them, putting some church stuff on there. Yeah, recording over them. In the process of doing, she heard her brother and her sister-in-law, Grandma and Grandpa Weisenberger, singing, and I saw the line. And she said she just stopped there for a moment and began to ponder that. As a matter of fact, Grandma and Grandpa was there. And Grandpa said, Sis, he said, if you just want to come back home, so all you got to do is just raise your hands and tell God, God, I'm ready. And she said, you know, that's exactly what I did in that moment. And she said, I took the vodka I just bought and the whiskey and I poured it down the sink and I tore up all the cigarettes and I said this is not going to have power over me anymore from this day forward in Jesus name and that's exactly the way that it was that's exactly so if she has enough faith to believe that God can deliver her from a life of alcoholism and nicotine in a moment she has enough faith that God can heal her body in a moment amen amen hallelujah oh I love them hallelujah God don't let it just be a story don't let it just be a story hallelujah amen praise God Turn with me to Galatians 5. You'll stand and turn. Galatians 5. Thankful, thankful. 
I love that stuff. Man, I love hearing that. Dad, I love those stories. I love, I love those elder stories and those stories even as a kid that I knew growing up. That people just break and sever ties and they just, with abandon, go with God. And I don't think it's that the whiskey and vodka has more alcoholic content today than what it did then. If anything, it might be even a little backwards. <laughs> but nevertheless, whew, the Spirit of God, that's awesome. When you get the Spirit, you'll start causing some fruit in the Spirit. Here's our segue. Amen. In our lives. Galatians 5, verse 22, the Bible states these words. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh. For the affections and lusts we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. This morning we are considering the aspect of gentleness today in verse number 22 the aspect of gentleness I will be mindful of your time I know we had extra stuff but that's okay amen but I'll be mindful of your time this morning hallelujah father thank you Jesus today for your word I pray God as we turn our attention again Lord to this setting of scripture pray Lord that you're able to help us Lord open our mind and our understanding God grant us Lord Jesus understanding God today Lord, help somebody through your word, by your word today. I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, we just surrender our lives, God. Lord, in our minds for the next few moments that you're able, Lord, to mold and make, Lord Jesus, after your likeness, God, and after your design, the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. The fruit of the Spirit, gentleness today, gentleness. If you were to start looking for the word gentleness throughout your Bible, you would not find it very many times at all. As a matter of fact, I think there is only about four times in all of the Bible that the word gentleness is used. But that's not to say that it isn't portrayed or conveyed in some manner uh, throughout the Scriptures beyond just being spoken about literally. This concept is seen again and again uh, from the Old Testament to the New Testament beyond just the statement of the word gentleness. The word gentleness comes from a Greek word that denotes excellency in character or demeanor, manifested through an attitude of kindness or usefulness toward others. As a matter of fact, many times kindness is almost like a synonym or at least in newer translations that they substitute the word kindness for gentleness in the scriptures it is a kindness it is an attitude it is a youthfulness toward others it also has a Greek root that basically means this it means fit fit for use or useful as a matter of fact that word in the Greek is so similar to the word for Christ there's actually only one letter difference they're so similar to one another that when the church first began some 2,000 years ago uh, in and among the Roman Empire, they were somewhat confused with these two words, one being for kindness or gentleness and the other one for Christ, since there was just one letter difference between the two, that they just thought that Christians were just people who believed in kindness. 
uh, rather than in Christ. They were just so close. And so they called Christianity the kind religion. That would be great to still have that earmark upon Christianity today to be known as the kind or the gentle uh, religion. Amen. But as we see with kindness and gentleness being interchangeable, as it would seem in the scriptures, uh, these both, though, whether you're talking about kindness or gentleness, and they're almost synonymous, they both, though, go beyond just an attitude. A person can have an attitude of gentleness or attitude of kindness, but as, as the, the, the rule of thumb goes, an attitude usually gives birth to an action. Amen. An attitude usually gives birth to an action. As a matter of fact, gentleness many times is spoken of as being love in action. Because it is one thing to experience an inward feeling of, of compassion or, or sympathy uh, toward, an, toward another, but it's an altogether different thing to do something about that compassion or that sympathy that you have toward another. I think we see that illustrated very well in Christ's life in his earthly ministry walking here and there he's seen masses at different times that were hungered his heart per se went out to them he's seen others that were afflicted with uh, disease or, or crippling diseases of various sorts and again he was influenced and affected by that and and we see those that were even possessed with unclean spirits and this touched the the heart of God but I believe it goes a little further than what he was influenced and touched by it was happening in their life but he went forward and did something about it the Bible oftentimes talks about him being moved with compassion or with bowels of compassion he did this or that it became love in action he did something about that feeling of compassion and sympathy that he had he was gentle with people and kind toward them amen and as with, I would say this morning, not just with gentleness that we're looking at today, but most, if not all, of the different aspects of the fruit of the Spirit in some shape or form have a means of just being more than an attitude, but they are materialized in some way. We have seen that over the past several weeks. It's more than having an attitude or a feeling of love, but it's love in action. It's, it's more than just having joy, but joy materializes. It comes to the surface. It's made external. It's more than just having an inner peace, but it's a peace that's displayed outwardly within our lives. And so it is with the fruit of the Spirit. It's not just something. The fruit is all within the vine, per se, uh, hidden from the natural eye. But at the proper season, it gives birth to some type of external. It's materialized in some fashion and in some way. And there is a certain type of, of kindness or a certain type of gentleness that's prevalent, I think, among the world today. Again, with all these episodes, there are these things that come from the Spirit and there are these things that just come from humanity. I'm not saying that there's nobody in this world that's, that's uh, not kind that have not the Spirit of Christ. I'm not saying that at all. You cannot have the Spirit of Christ and still be kind, but you can't have the kindness of Christ without having the Spirit of Christ. And so with that being said, there is a certain uh, mode or aspect of kindness I believe that we can find in the world today. Uh, my best explanation for it would be a social kindness. Uh, by and large, I think uh, we are not 
uh, rude and crude people by and large I know we could start pointing to the newspaper and the news articles and everything else how that may differ a little bit but there's a certain element of social kindness among us people generally are, 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 are kind to one another uh, they, they still have still some manners I know they might be depleted some but there's still some manners of excuse me go ahead those type of social kindnesses that we have in our life to one another some civil manners that we have but the motivation of today's social kindnesses is not, if you will, as the Bible defines gentleness, as a usefulness to another, because the reason why most people are kind to another individual in our world today, they're motivated by the fact that they want to be liked. Huh? Oh, they were such a, they were such a nice person. They allowed me in the line in front of they were so nice they opened the door and so a lot of our social kindness is motivated by what it can cause us to be perceived as so in reality it's kind of a little wraparound type thing we, we've done something per se or another but it's real intent was for ourselves. uh-huh yeah ulterior motives and so we show forth a kindness because we like to be liked or like to be seen as someone kind, someone that's gentle, someone that's, that, that's noteworthy, if you will, in, in, in society. And so that, that's taking gentleness and, and that's making it about ourselves rather than about genuinely as defined about somebody else, about another. And there, here's another indication for, for us this morning that, that we've polluted the real biblical meaning of gentleness is to self being self-rewarding have you ever caught yourself and said if I'm too kind then people will probably take advantage of me come on let's all jump in the boat together okay if I'm too kind if I'm too nice then they're going to take advantage of me look what we just did in that statement we took the kindness that's supposed to be for another and made it about ourselves again Amen. And so we, we pollute kindness whenever we do that. If you'll turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter number 9, 2 Samuel chapter number 9 this morning, uh, I believe there is an Old Testament story that can somewhat illustrate to you and I this aspect or idea of gentleness or kindness quite well in the Scripture. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter number 9 and verse number 1, this is David he is king and he states these words he's had a lot of conquests a lot of battles uh, his kingdom is firm and in control right now and David cries out in verse number one and David said is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may shew him kindness for Jonathan's sake amen if you skip down to verse three and the king said is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may shew the kindness of God unto him? And so note here, uh, number one, David leads off saying, is there any left of the house of Saul that I can show kindness to? And then he goes a little deeper in verse three. It's not just gonna be a man showing the kindness of a man to another man, but I want to show them the kindness of God. The kindness of God. Now, David says, is there any left? Look to whom he's willing to show this kindness to. He says, is there any left of the house 
of Saul. Now this already, this already begins to have some troubling matters in our minds because when we think back to the relationship between David and Saul, we see where something that started out well didn't end up well at all. We see a man, Saul, who in his time of being king uh, asked that this little shepherd boy would come into his presence, even be his armor bearer, at times play his harp in his presence to drive away the evil spirits from Saul. All right, we would see that, but we would see at another juncture in the road uh, and for the rest of the relationship, a Saul that at different times when David was in his presence was throwing javelins at David, spears at at David, and David just stepping out in time to miss those. David, the, the years of his life that he was a fugitive running for his life, that was primarily just from one man, and his name was Saul. That he was constantly going to dens and caves and trying to be elusive and not be taken by the hands of Saul. Yet at this point in time, David is saying, is there any left of the house of Saul that I can show kindness, not just kindness, but the kindness of God to? And so we, 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 we have some we have a problems. Our human side is who in the world is wanting to show kindness towards someone's household that has been, by and large, very unkind unto David. So this is a major gesture for David because while Saul had been in the past out to kill him with all these different means and tactics, David says, hey, I want to show kindness to one of the house of Saul. Now, we go to reason this morning that David would want to show kindness to Jonathan or one of Jonathan's children, but he doesn't narrow, David doesn't narrow it down just to Jonathan's house. He narrows it, he makes it broad to all the house of Saul. Jonathan and David were chums. They were best of friends. Their souls, the Bible says, were, were knit together. As a matter of fact, in, in 1 Samuel 20, we read in the scriptures that Jonathan and David had made a pact between one another, how they made a covenant that they were going to show this love and compassion to each of their households and they were going to be looking out for each other whether it was in life or whether it was in death. And so where David could have honed down just on Jonathan, that one boy and his his descendants, it was not the case. He said the whole house of Saul. That bespeaks well of the true attitude of gentleness spoken of in the Scripture. Because the true spirit of gentleness, the spirit of gentleness that God even portrays in Scripture, it is the spirit that would rather be hurt by others than hurt others. Amen. And that was David's position. I'd rather be hurt by others than hurt others. Now, no, he says the kindness, that I can show the kindness of God unto. Everybody say the kindness of God. The kindness of God or the gentleness of God. If you'll turn with me this morning to Isaiah chapter number 42, I want to relate to you just through a few a, a verse here in Scripture, the, the gentleness, if you will, the gentleness of God. Isaiah 42 and verse number 3, the Bible states this word. 42 and verse 3. He says... A bruised reed shall he, he's speaking of God, 
shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. The gentleness of God is this, that he said a reed, a reed is, is just that little member, that little shoot that would grow up in the marshy part of a piece of water, very slender, easily blown by the wind. You'll remember in New Testament scripture, uh, whenever the Lord was speaking about John the Baptist, he spoke to the people and said, what have you come out here to see? A reed that is shaken in the wind. So we're talking about something that's very fragile. We're talking about something that's very weak, very frail, easily shaken even by the wind a reed was. But in addition just to a frail state and a weakened state by being a reed, the Bible says this is a bruised reed. The bruised part, uh, meaning this, has the meaning of being broken or crushed, but not entirely broken off. So we're almost talking about, here's a, a, a reed that is slender, that is weak and fragile, but it's almost like, you know, it's bent in half, but it's not totally broken off. And you know how it is. You have things around your house. You have something that uh, broke, but didn't totally break off. You ever had anything in your house like that? You know, it's cracked all around and it's like it could fall out at any moment, but it hasn't. How do you handle something like that? How do you handle something that's broken but not broken off? The Bible says that God would not break the bruised reed. He says this is something very fragile. This is something very weak in and of itself. And it's broken to the place of being broken, not being broken off. How do you handle things like that? You're very gentle. You're very gentle. Amen. I guarantee you, uh, those parents may be able to testify, whenever I have a kid that has a, a toy that they love in the door and it's been broken, but it's not broken off, and there's already crocodile tears that's welling up in the eyes, honey, you go to that thing. I mean, I almost had to put on a white robe. And you kneel down and you caress it. And you hold it so gently and you're so kind and you're, you're with great effort making sure that that thing doesn't break off in your hand. You're very mindful about that thing. Isaiah said, God will not break a bruised reed. He's saying by all estimations this thing is broken. It's just not broken off. But God, with his kindness and gentleness, rather than throwing it to the pile of refuse or saying there's another reed in the marsh we can get, he says, no, I'm going to be very gentle, very caring, very mindful of this thing. Someone say amen. And here, here's the reason. Reeds, particularly throughout Scripture, reeds many times is what the shepherds made their flutes of that they would play for the summoning many times of their sheep. And for a shepherd to have his reed bruised, broken but not broken off, he wasn't willing to cast that aside for a new reed, the reason being that one was passed down to him by his father and by the father before him and the father before him. We're not dealing with a lone history of a lone individual. We're dealing with the history of generations of a family. And God says, I will not break a bruised reed because I'm not just dealing with a person. I'm dealing with generations. He's gentle. 
He's very kind. With all of that in mind, this is how God deals and contends with gentleness. And so if he does that for a broken reed, how much more so does he do that for our individual lives? Amen. Seeing you and I with his gentleness and that we then should assume that as an example to follow with people also in our lives. I know sometimes I think we see a a moment of of unkindness. Well, that's just so-and-so. Right? That's just whoever. Big deal. You got to understand, though, that person is part of a greater fabric. They have children. They are a child of somebody. There is more history there than just a lone individual. He says, he says the smoking flax, he will not quench. He will not quench. Amen. Flax were many times was the use for wicks that were, were burnt uh, in the lamps and that wax, that, 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 that flax, rather, don't get wax and flax, that flax that was used as a wick for the burning lamps, sometimes whenever they, they needed trimmed or, or there wasn't enough uh, oil that was be drawn up into the flax, they would give off a, a smoky, uh, inconsistent flame. And the Bible says, Isaiah speaks of God, says, rather than just going and snuffing the flame out, Rather than snuffing the flame, I said he's not gonna he's not gonna quench that, but he's gonna do what is necessary in order to get that thing from a smoking place to giving a more consistent flame and a ready light. He's going to be mindful. He's going to be gentle. That's what we're speaking about when we speak about the gentleness of God. When we speak about the gentleness of God, it's also portrayed, if you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 11 and verse number 28 and a few verses of Scripture there, if you'll allow me to read uh, to you this morning. Matthew 28 and verse number 11. The Bible states these words. These may be familiar to some, but the Scripture states in verse 28 starting these words. Matthew eleven twenty eight. He says, Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. Everybody say my yoke. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is, everybody say easy. That word easy comes from this very same word, that the word gentleness comes from in Galatians 5.22. He says, for my yoke is gentleness and my burden is light. So look, he says, my, my yoke is gentleness. My yoke is easy. Take this upon you. In other words, there's some, evidently there's something on you right now that is not as easy or as gentle as the yoke that I have. He says, place this yoke upon you, this, this gentleness that's my yoke upon you. And you that are, that are tired and burdened and wore out and overwhelmed and overcome by life, take my gentleness and place it upon you and you're going to find yourself a little bit lighter, a little bit more at ease because that's what God's gentleness does for his people. And notice, we do not see that he's necessarily getting anything out of this. Right? He's not getting no kickback out of this. That is true gentleness. It is a usefulness to others when, necess- when, when you don't necessarily get anything that is in return. Now, if we consider this this morning and go back to 2 Samuel chapter number 9, amen, we're going to see that David says 
that I'm going to show kindness to somebody of the household of Saul, the kindness of God, that is, for Jonathan's sake. This is for Jonathan's sake. Because the man that's brought into David's presence would later be known as one of the sons of Jonathan, a boy by the name of Mephibosheth. Amen. I can't, I, I, I tell you, I remember whenever I was a young man, I mean very young in ministry, very young, and I came across that word name, Mephibosheth, and whenever I learned to say that, I already thought I was a conference speaker right there, man. You, if you can say Mephibosheth, honey, you got her right down right there. <laughs> but here comes in Mephibosheth. Now look, look at the scenario. David is showing kindness to Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth in no, in no stretch of the imagination was deserving of this, but David is showing kindness to him for Jonathan's sake, his descendants, for his descendants' sake. Amen. He's showing kindness to Mephibosheth. Number one, Mephibosheth's name means he scatters shame. And that's what you want to show kindness to. Not only that, at the age of probably around five years old, whenever Saul and Jonathan were taken in battle, his nurse had picked him up and dropped him, and he became lame in both of his feet. What service can Mephibosheth do the kingdom of David? He's lame in both his feet. He's a cripple. He's a cripple that came to be a cripple through a fall. They went and got him from a place called Lodabar, the place of no pastures. <laughs> I mean, things are not stacking up too good for old Mephibosheth. I mean, the scatter of shame, he's crippled him in both of his feet. He's coming from a place of no pastures. Yet David says, this is of the household of Saul, and I'm going to show kindness to him for Jonathan's sake. Now here is, I think, the essence of gentleness or the essence of kindness. Kindness and gentleness is for another's sake. Uh-huh. Kindness and gentleness is shown for another's sake. A good example of that for New Testament that we're trying to purport little by little and there's wheels turning on that are the Matthew 25 ministries. Huh? He says, he's, they, they, they begin to speak to the Lord and he says, well, when I was hungry, you, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was in prison, you came and see me. Uh, whenever, whenever I was, uh, uh, whenever, you know, all those different, different, things in Matthew 25 that he spoke of so now I want to see what the others are because it's making me aggravated that I can't remember amen but all these other things in Matthew 25 that he spoke to them about uh, that when you did this unto the least of them he said you have done it unto me he gave all these lists he said well Lord when did when did we ever feed you when did we ever uh, uh, come to prison and see you when you done it to the least of these what's happening he said when you you were doing gentleness and kindness to somebody for another's sake whenever you gave them a cup of water you were giving it to them because of me whenever you showed up and visited them in prison you were showing them gentleness for my sake whenever you whenever you came and you fed and you gave me something to drink you did all that for another's sake that is the true value you or the true essence of gentleness doing it for another's sake someone say amen, amen. because oh Mephibosheth he was not necessarily deserving or for that matter he wasn't useful to the kingdom of David but David was showing gentleness and was useful toward Mephibosheth and look I believe David satisfied both things that he spoke I'm going to show you kindness. I'm going to show you the kindness of God. 
look what happens. You see a little later, and I've got to turn back here, to 2 Samuel chapter number 9. We see a little later in Scripture what David actually does. The Bible says that he came to him. Let's look at verse number 7. And David said to him, Mephibosheth comes in. He understands his undeserving manner. He comes in and bows himself before David. He's somewhat fearful and afraid. And David tells him in verse 7 of 2 Samuel 9, And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely shew thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake. Look now, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father. So here's part of the kindness, the gentleness, that David showed unto Mephibosheth. I'm going to restore back to you everything that is, should be yours anyway. Applaud. Wonderful. Great job, David. That's kindness. That's gentleness. You're giving back to the man what was his anyway. Huh? <laughs> well, we may have done some of the same things too. Let me restore to you what's yours. <laughs> the kindness of David. But he took it up a level because he wasn't just showing him kindness, but the kindness of God. Because in his next phrase, and he spoke to him and said, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. You go a little further down to like verse 11, and he says, and as for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. Now it's one thing human kindness restoring unto you what was yours to begin with, but it's the kindness of God. That's useful for, towards someone. Not trying to get anything in return. Because although he would set him at his table as his king's son, he's lame in both his feet. He can't do no work. He can't do no service. If anything, he's more of a liability than an asset than he is to the kingdom. But what does David say? You're not just going to be restored back to your place of having all the lamb that your grandfather and father had. He said, but I'm going to make you like one of the kids' king, one of the the king's kids sitting at my table and going to honor you through that what is that that is the gentleness of God the gentleness of God will take somebody that by all other means are unuseful cannot contribute consider more a liability than an asset and say let me place my favor upon you place my hand of gentleness and kindness and goodness and mercy upon you amen so he didn't just get back what he had lost per se but he also got something he never had and that is the gentleness of God now look gentleness you know you hear all the well pay it forward right I have today some kind gesture happens to you they say well just pay it forward you know you pay for somebody's uh, food in the line behind you and if it goes on for a while you can just keep doing that until somebody is unkind all this pay up forward stuff well gentleness kindness in many essences is very much so contagious because the reason being part and parcel partially while why why David is doing what he's doing to Mephibosheth is because of what Jonathan had done for David when Jonathan's dad Saul had a strong hand of vengeance against David and was going to seek to kill his life David even spoke to Jonathan he said if it wasn't but for this step between you and me I'd be a dead man right now 
because of the grace that I found in your eyes, your kindness. You've always stayed one step ahead and said, Dad's over here, you need to go away for a while. When you come back, I'll shoot there. And he had all these plans to safeguard David's life. And because of Jonathan's kindness to him, now we have this circle of cycle. Later in life, David is showing kindness into Mephibosheth. Look, but it don't stop there. See, this is the awesome thing about the gentleness of God. Once it gets started, it doesn't know an end if people stay with the spirit of it. Because whenever David now shows this, this kindness and gentleness to Mephibosheth, it comes a little bit later that David, Absalom is wanting to overthrow the, overthrow the throne. And so David is tucking tail and running and getting out of Jerusalem for the sake of the people that he's over. He doesn't want destruction. He could have stood this ground there and a lot of lives could have been lost. But he's seen a bigger picture than that. And so he got away from Jerusalem. And as he goes, the Bible says Ziba, which was a servant of Mephibosheth's, had come to see David across the Jordan. And David basically asked, you know, where's Mephibosheth? Well, Ziba makes up this story. Well, he didn't come. As though he was doing some type of dishonor to David. He sent, you know, there's some figs there and some food and such. Like, like putting a bad, a bad score on, on Mephibosheth. Trying to paint him in a wrong way. But the Bible says after David had been over there for a while and everything had settled down and he was coming back across Jordan to re-establish re, re his throne there in Jerusalem. As he came across the river, there was one man that was there that was one of the first to meet him. You know who it was? Mephibosheth. The Bible said that his, his beard was untrimmed. He hadn't washed his garments or his clothes since the David had, David had left. He had not done anything. Why? Because he was concerned and he was worried concerning David. And I want to go there. Go to 2 Samuel chapter 19. Amen. 2 Samuel 19 bears this story out very plainly. The Bible says, here's David. He's coming back. I'll start with verse number 24. The Bible says, 2 Samuel 19, verse 24, and Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king had neither dressed his feet nor trimmed his beard nor washed his clothes from the day the king departed until the day he came again in peace and it came to pass when he was coming to Jerusalem to meet the king that the king said to him wherefore wentest not thou with me Mephibosheth you know he's saying where were you the day I left because Ziba had just just painted Mephibosheth in a horrible picture well he didn't come like they don't care much that you had to leave and he answered my lord, O king, my servant deceived me. For thy servant said, I will saddle me an ass that I may ride thereon and go to the king because thy servant is lame. You, you know my condition. I can't walk. I was going to get a beast of burden that I could get on and come along also. And he says, and he, Ziba, that is, has slandered thy servant unto my lord, the king. But my lord, the king, is an angel of God. Do, therefore, what is good in thy eyes. He said, do whatever you need to do. I understand, I understand what's happened here. And he says in verse 28, For all of my father's house were but dead men before my lord the king. And he said, Because of your gentleness, because of your gentleness, I am standing here before you today. I am where I am today because of your gentleness. And he said, Yet didst thou set thy servant among them that did eat at thine own table? Not only that, not only your personal gentleness of restoring to me what was rightfully mine, you gave me a place at the table. You showed me the gentleness of God. So he says, what right therefore do I have to cry anymore unto the king? I mean, you've been so good. I don't have anything even to contest here. And the Bible says, and the king said unto him, why speakest thou any more of thy matters? 
I said, thou and Ziba divide the land. Look what Mephibosheth says. When he said divide the land, he's talking about the land that was the land of his father Saul, that Ziba was the one always working on because Mephibosheth couldn't, but he would give all the results and the produce to Mephibosheth. He says, well, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to divide the land. Some of it be given to Ziba, some of it to Mephibosheth. But look what Mephibosheth says in verse 30. And Mephibosheth said unto the king, yea, let him take all. For as much, my lord, the king has come again in peace unto his own house. You know what Mephibosheth is saying? He's saying, I don't care about land. That's not where my priority is. He says, I don't care concerning that. He says, I would much rather have the man that showed me the gentleness than to have the land that came from a hand of a man. You know what he was? You know what he's saying? I want the person that showed me more or less the gentleness of God. And so you have this big, big cycle. Jonathan, his father in the past, had showed gentleness to David. David shows gentleness to Mephibosheth and on the way back over the river, a man that really just had nothing but the gentleness of God to show said, you can do whatever with me, but I'm with you because you were gentle to me in the moment of time that I needed it. And so the saying is true. The Bible's constantly true, not just in giving, but in these different aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. If you want watered, water. You hear me? If you want watered yourself, water. If you want gentleness to come full circle to you, be gentle to somebody else. You want kindness to show up in your life on the left, on the right, be kind to every individual that you can get your hands on, but not just your kindness, the kindness that can come from God that says, I'm going to be useful to somebody else even when they're not useful to me. When they're a liability. I'm going to show them kindness. Someone say amen. Stand with me and we'll close. David states something in 2 Samuel twenty two thirty six, and he states it again Psalms eighteen thirty five. This is how it works with God's gentleness. David said in both these episodes, it's just basically a repeating of what was said in Samuel, taken in the Psalms. David says this, speaking to God, he says, Thy gentleness hath made me great. Thy gentleness hath made me great. What is that? That is the pure definition of biblical gentleness. It is useful fit for another. He said, it was your gentleness, but your gentleness become my greatness. Your gentleness become my greatness. And that's where we need to be concerning the fruit of the Spirit here this morning of gentleness in our personal lives, Christian lives. Allow your gentleness to someone to become their greatness. And where are you? You're standing somewhere in the shadows, somewhere behind the tree don't have to have the accolade or the hand clap or the pat on the back. Just allow the gentleness that I show become the greatness in them. That's what's happened to every one of us concerning Christ. The gentleness that he showed toward us become our personal greatness. Uh-huh. The death, cold, and the grave, and all of that that just seemed to be, you know, outside of the city limits where he suffered, all these things the gentleness that he showed to us 
became our personal greatness. It was useful for us, for me. It was more than an attitude. It wasn't that the great God in heaven thought one day, you know what? They really need some help. You know, we really, I need to really go down here and just set the record straight. I need to provide the blood and the body. I need to do all this. That is a grand idea. Swell. And leave it at that. There'd been no benefit. There'd been no perk for humanity from the idea. But when the idea became an action, the idea became an action, this gentleness became our greatness. Can we bow our heads all across this place today? Hallelujah. These all Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.